Hiya, my name's Ailey McIntyre and welcome to Out of the Shadows, the podcast which talks to amazing people who in some shape or form have broken out of very personal shadows in their lives. My dad was an Olympic sailing champion. I wanted to do the same and at Tokyo 2020, I did and won my very own Olympic gold medal. We're here in association with Quote Search, and it's really good to have you with me as we welcome another amazing guest. On episode five, we're flipping the concept of this podcast. Rather than speak to someone in the shadows, I thought it'd be really interesting to hear from someone whose shadow has loomed over someone else. When Ailish McColgan sprinted to a magnificent victory in the 10,000 metres at the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham, it completed a huge family double. Her mum, Liz McColgan, had won Commonwealth gold over the same distance in 1986 and 1990. Liz was also a world champion and Olympic silver medalist. Ailish is now hoping to go on and match, if not better, those achievements. And Liz naturally was her number one supporter when the finish line loomed at Birmingham 2022. My biggest thing is just relief because I don't know if you followed Elish's story, but she's just had an awful lot of bad luck, would you say? Um, You know, trains really, really hard, gets herself into really good shape and you know, when the opportunity comes where, you know, you need to perform at your best, um, you know, to buy for those medals, which is always tough anyway. And, you yeah. know, you've trained hard and um, put, you know, your whole life on hold to try and do it. There's always something that just doesn't click with her, you know, whether it be, um, you know, and, and this has gone on since she was like, you know, started the sport, like she started out as a steeplechaser. She tried to get to London 2012 and in the race that she tried to get, qualified for to go to the world she fractured her foot um in the race and you know she ended up running 600 meters with a broken foot qualified but couldn't race because she obviously fractured her foot you know and that caused like a major issue with her foot so she couldn't steeplechase anymore and then you know she thought that was the end of her career and I said no let's go to 5k went to 5k and all during her 5k build up you know whether it's she's been tripped up in the the heat you know she's got sick two days before you know and and it's just been like a lot of mishaps all the way through and then even this year's world championship she was in the best shape ever she was breaking records british records yeah no i saw i saw and then you know you, you ease back and you go into you know the the world championships you know you get covid you get over that you then get some other illness and um, she picked up like laryngitis from Oslo I don't even know if it was laryngitis but a lot of athletes that went to Oslo came back sick and so that and that was like two weeks before the games so she lost her training again and then the day before the, the last session which was two days before she, the day before she traveled into Eugene she went and got some treatment and got um some dry needle in her back which set off a problem within her hamstring when she got off the plane she couldn't run her hamstring oh my and, God. and you know and it's just it's not even things that you would see are her fault <laughs> she yeah, just yeah, has yeah. no luck you know so um coming out of the world and then coming into the commonwealth games you know she had 
four days out, she had to get injections to ease off the inflammation, whatever, in the hamstring. And fortunately, it killed all the pain. You know, she she, she ran yeah. for the first time with no pain, sort of like three, four days before the Commonwealth Games. We went to the track for warm-ups the day before. And when I seen her running, I thought, she's running completely different than what she was two weeks ago. I could see, you know, the way she was flowing, the way she was before the World Championship. So it gave me a little bit of glimmer that, yes, definitely medal contender, but to actually go out and actually win the gold and run the exact race that we discussed, it was just really special. And I'm just, as I say, my biggest word would be relief in the fact that she deserved to get a medal and to get the gold medal was just the icing on the cake for in the, in the manner in which she ran it. It was a really, really tough race. She was gutsy. She fought for it. And she really, really wanted it. And it's the first time that everything's been aligned for her to actually go out and win, which for me was just amazing. It really was amazing. And I had no idea Ailish's journey to that gold medal had quite so many setbacks. I want to explore with Liz whether the idea of being in the shadow of a famous parent in some way contributed to all that. Do you think she ever felt a pressure being your daughter and trying to follow in in your wake? Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, there's always baggage with someone that's, um, you know, following in the footsteps of a parent because you're always compared and it's probably worse Mm. when you're in the same sport, you know. There's just no let up. You know, you, you still hear commentators calling their Liz. You know, and it's just like 31 <laughs> years of age. But I think the good thing of being, I suppose there is a good and a bad of being the mother and the coach is I see the talent, I know what she's doing. And because I'm a coach and, you know, I've, I've been there and done that, I know from her training what she's capable of doing. And, you know, I'm not being blasé and being super proud of my daughter thinking, you know, she's the world's greatest. I see her doing things that I know she is uh, one of the, the best runners in the world for endurance but it's it's easy to keep training like that the difficult thing is to put it into competition where you get the rewards where everybody else then sees what you can do and that's the difficulty and it's the fine line that you walk you've got to get it on together on the day and you know mm-hmm. you need lady luck on your side for that as well because you can have the best training going into any championships and it still goes disastrously wrong. And, that, and that's the real hard part of the sport. There's more disastrously wrong times than there is the triumphs and the, the glory. And, you know, it's really, really difficult when, you know, you, you are good enough to be on the podium and, you know, you're always there or thereabout and just something stops you reaching that ultimate goal. And um, The thing where we're all chasing. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, for me, I've always worked with a talented athlete, you know, aside that she's my daughter, I've always worked with, you know, because I've worked with a lot of other athletes. And, yeah. you know, I know that Ailish has got the talent to be successful. But at the same time, it's really, really difficult as a mother when it just keeps going wrong. And she doesn't, you know, you're picking up the pieces all the time and you see the disappointment. Mm. And that's the, the bad side of being the mother is because you, you've got that emotional attachment more to your athlete. And it's really, really difficult when you see someone hurting. And I was going to say that. How do you, you know, my dad has definitely mentored me and been a part of my career. But there was definitely a moment when he turned to me and said, Ailey, uh, I need you to phone me up on good days as well as the bad to talk and have a good conversation. How do you mentor 
in a way to bring the best and and not be too much of a parent you know because I imagine that's really hard yeah you know sometimes you just want to pick them up and wrap them in cotton wool and just see everything will be okay but I've always with not even just with Bayless but anybody that I've always coached I always say to them that especially in, in any sport you've got to take the good with the bad mm-hmm. you know you don't just hold on to the good because you learn from the bad so you know yeah. even when Alice was a child and she'd come home you know really upset that someone beat her you know I always used to say to her well, you know you need to look at it and say well you know and in a positive way because you know you always turn a negative into a positive you don't just let the negative eat away at you and then you know destroy what confidence you've got so I used to always say that you know that's how you learn so you know you you look at a race and it's maybe you've missed out or you've had a bad uh, result but you look at it and you, you, you know a couple of days later and you say to yourself well how can I make that mistake spin it, spin it, it and improve from yeah. it and then but then but at the same time even the good part how can I make that better because all in all you're on that pathway to making everything better so yeah. you know there's always room for improvement there's always ways you learn and I've always said to Alistair like you know you need to believe in yourself even you know if you don't believe yourself in yourself on the bad days you'll never get there because as I say it's a tough old world and there's more hard days than than good days and um you've got to grasp onto the talent that you've got so you know when she's been really really down and she's it's hard to pick her up you know um I always try to sort of mentor in the way of, you know, how are you going to make yourself stronger and always focus on what's good about you, not on, not on you know, the result or whatever, but, you know, what makes you good and what makes you different from everybody else and you focus on making that even better for the next time. Liz, I'm feeling quite inspired right now. It's <laughs> 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 making me feel good. Yeah, I've always had a problem because, like, I was always told I wasn't good enough, eh? You know, whether it's the the background where I came from, you know, everyone, teachers, everybody always said to me I was never good enough. And I I never, you know, that stuck with me for a long, long time. And I never installed that in anybody that I work with or talk to because everybody's good enough. It doesn't matter, you know, what it is. You know, if you've got a passion and a drive, who's to say that you're not good enough? And especially in endurance, you know, endurance, you're not born endurance runners. You're made. So if you work your tail off and work hard enough, you can be good because, you know, it's an accumulation of building that makes you good, you know. And, and Ailish has always been a very, um, you know, a lot of people might not, she's a very emotional girl and she's always, always, always suffered with um, a lack of confidence. And, a, yeah. and I think that that stemmed a lot from the world looking at her from who I am rather than who she is. And um, I think I can really relate to that feeling of, um, I think, definitely from being my dad's daughter I felt this feeling of will I ever be as good as him will I ever be good enough to do what he did and uh, I can definitely relate that I could it probably even worse in in you two you know you're more in the public eye that must have been really hard yeah it it was and you know I've always shielded um Ailish from when Ailish was little I would never take her to a track I never took her to any of my races because I didn't want to enforce the fact that she had to run you know I wanted her to do things because yeah. she wanted to do it and she did get into running by her own device it wasn't me um she got into it through school and a teacher inviting her along and she loved it and then she went to the club and she was at the club for about you know six seven months before I even started coaching her but um I was very very aware of when I was young I was left to my own device you know my mom and dad didn't take me to races they didn't come and watch me mm. running they didn't even know half you know early on what I was doing and yeah. um, 
it was you know I, I did it because I I loved it and it gave me and I don't know why I loved it and I wasn't good at it I wasn't the best I wasn't a, an athlete when I was like 11 and 12 people would come up and say oh wow she looks like brilliant look at her move I wasn't like that mm. you know I, I I got better just through hard work and um I saw lots and lots of really young kids you know when like 10, 11, 12 would be crying at the side of the track because their mums or the dads were shouting at them or making them race or where, you know, I love to do it. Even if I got beat, it didn't matter to me. I just loved racing mm. and things. And I always, you know, when I saw that through my own eyes, I always said to myself, I will never, ever, ever make anybody do something that they don't want to do because the training's too tough. You know, and if yeah. you don't make the decisions, you know, if it's not a passion that you have, you know, not even if you're good or bad, but if it's not a passion that you enjoy doing, you'll never want to do it. So, you know, you, the decision's got to be yours to actually participate and train. Yeah. And then, you know, if, if you're lucky enough to be one of these kids that, you know, go all the way and, you know, you, you, you become successful at what you do, then it's fantastic. But, you know, there's nothing wrong if you don't do that either. But, you know, I think it's important mm. to be fit and healthy and active and socially, you know, involved with sport. I love this from Liz. And I'm really hoping the summer of sport in 2022 will get more kids into sport for reasons other than just winning. Yes, we've had the Commonwealth Games, the Lionesses. It's great when we can win. But as Liz says, more often we don't. So sport needs to be more about the social side, the active side, for fun, for resilience and for enjoyment. Exactly, exactly. Because when Elish was young, she wasn't winning. Um, you know, when I was young, I was definitely not winning. I was just, you know, I'd make teams if there was like, you know, like Scottish schools where they picked 10. Well, I'd maybe be like the fifth or, you know, something like that. I never yeah. won massive races when I was, was young. I was a bit, probably because I, you know, I wasn't like the, the sort of slightest person either uh, when I was young and really poor diet and just because of the background and whatever. But, um, you know, it didn't stop me enjoying what I was doing. and But the main yeah. difference was I always wanted to be better at it. And I yeah. think that's the difference. And I think that's when you encapsulate or it engages you is when when you know you can be better at something and you want to work hard to do that. And, and that's the difference from the people that win and lose because you get that drive and then a drive and, and then it becomes like an obsession and then, you you know, you're on your path and you're like, this is what mm-hmm. I want to do. Um, but with Ailish, when did you girls can ask about Ailish when did you did you ever notice that in her like was there yeah. a moment when you thought oh my god I've I've had a mini me yeah when he was about six or seven um we used to play games I used to have uh, a run round outside of the grass and things like that in the house and stuff and she always moved really well and she you know she's always been that build you know Ailish has yeah. never changed she's always been lanky and slim but very very good range you know she moves well and um she's always had that so I've always known that she could run and that's why I never want to force her into it so you know she's a really good hockey player she's a really really good horse rider great at golf so I gave her the opportunity to do all sports that I never got the opportunity to do and she really embraced them you know sort of Midlands level for hockey and things and um yeah it, it was her that loved running and when she started running, that it just gripped her. And at the time, she didn't even really know much about me because I wouldn't take her to anything that I was at. So when yeah. she started running and people are coming up and asking for my autograph, she'd be like, why are they asking for your autograph? Well, you know, what's going on here? And so she didn't really grasp the, you know, the whole thing about, you know, the dynasty of me or whatever. But um, the good thing about Ailish was, um, you know, because I'd seen, well, not a good thing, but because I'd seen a lot of kids overly trained and overly pushed, 
I was very protective of Ailish and I, I, maybe to the point of holding her back because my, and, and Ailish will probably be the first person to meet you, the one thing that I've always said to her all throughout her career, even when she was 12, 13, 14, if you're still running when you're 18, that's when I get excited. I, I didn't care what she came, what she did. She used to come back crying from training camps that she'd been on with Scotland squad saying, oh, these girls are doing, you know, 10 mile runs and, you know, you've only got me doing five. And she'd be like, you know, because, you know, mm. comparing what they're doing in training and she's, you know, she's a smart girl and she's like, I'm doing like half of what these girls are doing. Why am I not doing that? And she was really eager to do it, but I wouldn't allow her. But looking back yeah. on it now, she says you were right because it was all about development and her age and, you know, her growth yeah. through puberty and things like that. But it was very, very difficult. When Ailish was, I'd say, 18, 19, we nearly lost her to the sport because she just was struggling to get through it. And that's interesting. In, in what way? Just just the the load was too much, you know? That no, she was no, just no. drowning or...? It was the frustration of feeling knowing where she wanted to be, but not being yeah. there, um, you know, desiring to be on teams and, and seeing other girls that were training around her and then her thinking, I'm just not good enough. Yeah. You know, yeah, it was yeah, more yeah. that. And, and, you know, it wasn't until, you know, after her first year of college, an uncle of hers went up to her and said, you know what, you should just stop all this training and just concentrate on your, a degree because she was quite a, a smart lady she was doing maths and he says you know you, you're sort of not going to do anything running anyway so you need to concentrate on your degree and, and she it was like a, a switch was just flicked and she was the next it was like a different person the next day from that and she just thought why is he saying that to me and she sort of stops sort of like going out with her friends students changed our diet and really put everything into her running and, and it was just that instant it was like an instant moment in her head or whatever that she was like no I want to do this and she and she put everything into it then that is so interesting because one of the things I really wanted to ask you is did you ever have a pivotal conversation because I had an interview where Ailish said uh, you know I, I was partying a lot and then I took mm -hmm. it seriously and I, and mm -hmm. I wanted I was interested to know if that had come from you because it came from my dad when I was complaining about not you know I was trying really hard and I wasn't getting anywhere and he sort of turned yeah. around and said no really you're nowhere near trying and I was interested to know if that come from you but it actually yeah. came from her uncle yeah it was a really difficult time because when I was coaching Neil at that time I had a very successful training group you know I had uh, Lindsay Sharp had uh, Murag McClarty I had I, like I had maybe 12 15 athletes that were all national champions you know, some yeah, British wow. champions. It was frustrating for me as a coach because I could see that Ailish was partying when she shouldn't be. Yeah. Because, but, you know, she she was caught into this, like, well, I'm not quite good enough, but I want to have this life as well. Mm. And there, there were fallouts. There'd be times we'd go to the track and we wouldn't even speak to each other. It was a oh, difficult really? time. Yeah, it was a difficult time. But the one thing that I always said to Ailish, and even when she was going through that sort of period I says whatever you do do not miss a track session and she never did you wow. know she always turned up and I think although she you know didn't miss anything it was enough to keep her physically doing what she needed to do and then when the uncle said that that was just the, the switch that was needed she was like you know how can you say that to me you know I want this yeah. I, it was a way she went 
This is fascinating. I'm really interested in these pivotal conversations in sport. And remember being devastated when I didn't make the British sailing team for the Rio Olympics. My mum and dad sat me down and said, it's okay, we understand if you want to stop sailing. Family is the most important thing. But I immediately said no. I knew I wanted to do it to keep sailing and keep chasing my dream. The Out of the Shadows podcast is in partnership with QuoteSearch. QuoteSearch is the new way to search, compare and save online. They provide a truly independent and impartial service, which is why you can be safe knowing the prices you see are comprehensive and competitive. You're listening to Out of the Shadows with me, Ailey McIntyre. And I'm flipping the concept on this episode, chatting to 10,000 metres world champion and Olympic silver medalist Liz McColgan about the shadow her legacy must have cast over the life of her Commonwealth champion daughter, Ailish. Liz is being so amazingly candid about her relationship, both as parent and coach. So I wanted to explore more about her upbringing and early career to try to discover where this champion mentality came from. Yeah, it was uh, my career was like um, I always felt that I got a lot of um, negativity about what I was what I was doing, like because you know obviously you know, I came from a very working class background and um, nobody was running back then. You know, there's no role models like. Like, yeah. you know, role models uh, for women weren't really many about. I mean, I didn't even have a TV to watch when I was like 10, 11, 12. So I don't know who Greta Weitz was and Rosa Mota. And, you know, so I didn't get into running through inspiration of seeing something on the telly or anything like that. You know, the reason I got into running was because I had nothing to do. You know, I was the youngest of four kids. Mum and dad were always you know either working or right or whatever and you were left to your own devices and for me it captured me because it was something that I could do it didn't cost me anything I could just go out and do it on my own I didn't need anybody to supervise me or whatever and so it gave me some structure and for some weird reason you know I, I've always in my mindset I like pushing myself you know and, and running enabled me to find that part of me that I never push myself at school or anything else but as soon as I started running it was uh, just something that you know to run hard felt great and yeah. then the next day I'd go out to be I'm going to run even faster and then you run even faster you know the joy and the jubilation of like god you know I've, I've just beat my loop or whatever so you know that's the kind of thing that got me through running and um, all through my career I've always felt that I had it especially from like 12, 13, 14, you know, I didn't really get any support. You know, as I said earlier, you know, I'd go to school and teacher would be like, oh, your brains are in your feet. And, you know, I had one PE teacher at school, Phil Cairns, who he was really good with kids like me, like, you know, because he used to always try to engage us and put us into hockey and netball and things to engage us. So he was a marathon runner. And so he loved doing athletics at the school and ran uh, an athletic club and saw that I could run and then asked me to go along to a local club. So when I was 12, I met this guy called Harry Bennett and he just completely changed my life and um, he was the first person who ever said that I was good that I could be a great runner and he just put dreams into my head that I never even dreamed before and um, if I hadn't met him I would never have ever have been the person that I became and it was him that gave me the strength to 
just ignore what people were saying about me. You know, I got really badly bullied at school because I was running and people did yeah, jealous yeah. of my name being in the paper because of the area I was from. They were like, no, why is she in the paper? Like, who does she think she is? And, mm. you know, it was rough. It wasn't good, um, but it didn't deter me. Unfortunately for me, though, Harry, when I was 16, Harry um, made me give up all my school sports and things and I concentrated on running. He used to meet me on his motorbike at dinner time and I used to go do extra training with him and that caused a big split in the club because people were saying my daughter's better than her why is he spending time you know Liz you know yeah. what's so good about her so a few of the better runners left the club but he stuck by me and then when I was about 17 I got a phone call to go to America on a scholarship and I'd never even been out of Scotland and I, I thought it was a prank and I put it down and just said no for some no. reason I, yeah and then the guy got my phone number and phoned my coach. I don't know how he got his number. And Harry phoned my mum and dad and said, look, if you don't let her go, um, you're just going to ruin her life because this is will be a massive opportunity for her to just get out of Scotland and become a runner and all that sort of stuff. So he paid for me to go over to America. He paid the flight, sent me on my way. And then he always said that I'd run you know, the Commonwealth Games. And that's what we started training for in 86. But unfortunately for me, when I was... Um, just turned 18 he actually was out running and died of a massive heart attack so he never actually got oh, to see God. anything that I actually did but the, the one good thing I will say about him was although I was like 15 and 16 he used to throw like books at me about distance running he used to he used to sit for hours explaining why I was doing a session and why it was important to train this and you know all the different phases of training yeah. and coaching he used to discuss it with me as a kid so, so he almost created, he created not only a runner, but a coach from such yes. a young age, you know, you, yes. you had the skills and knowledge to, yes. to coach yourself from yes. so young. Yeah, so when he died, there was a year where someone tried to coach me, but nobody could fill his shoes and I didn't trust anybody the way I did him. And so yeah. I, I, I coached myself my whole career, which I think is good, but, well, not good, but I think it's good for Ailish that I did that because I really learned the ins and outs and made the mistakes and learned what worked and didn't work. And it gave me a really good insight of my event. So, you know, I'm very, very confident that I know how to train for, you know, 10Ks and marathons and things that, you know, I think I'm, you know, uh, probably a bit different thinking than a lot of other people and what I believe you have to do. But um, I think it's helped Ailish in the long run. It definitely has. Ailish is now Commonwealth champion, just like her mum Liz. And it sounds ultimately like it's all down to the man who helped Liz believe in her own ability from the age of 12, Harry Bennett. How proud he'd be to know that there are now three Commonwealth golds in the lynch McColgan dynasty. I want to see if there are more similarities in the respective mum-daughter journeys. Do you remember when... Ailish had her. Do you remember a moment when she came up to you and said, "Mum, I, I want to go to, I want to go to Olympics. I want to go to Commonwealth." Yeah, you know, our first sort of uh, breakthrough was when at the steeplechase, really. And I think that, you know, as I said earlier, Ailish, Ailish has always thought, "Oh, I'm not good enough." And I think when she went to the steeplechase, it kind of like really woke her up to say, "Oh wow, she's I am." She got her first invite to like a diamond league, and that was just crazy. It was just before. Or, like, she went to the Commonwealth Youth Games for the steeplechase and it gave her, like, a just a little taster, if you know what I mean. And, and when she came back from that, 
she was really motivated to, you know, like, oh, I think I can make, you know, uh, Olympics and Worlds. And before she went to that sort of, I don't think she actually thought, well, I'll ever get on a team. And then yeah. once she got that little spark, it was like, that's what I want. And she was really driven to make London 2012 and Rio World Championships and things. And so, you know, you could actually see there was a different athlete then and driven. And then, you know, obviously she broke her foot and then all of that kind of like fell down. Yeah, yeah. To, but give her a dues, like, you know, she, I've always been very frank with Ailish and I don't put pie in the sky in her head. And so she really does trust what I say. I think Do you that's think there was sense. ever an element of, I don't want to be doing exactly what my mum did? No, no, it, no. She's not thought of it as what I did. She's always thought of it of like for herself. And, and that's yeah. one of the things that I find with Ailish, like, you know, even though a lot of the, baggage it comes with a name and being compared she's always been able to differentiate herself from it yeah which you know, is amazing because she's always lacked confidence I don't think in her own head she's ever thought oh, well I'm going to go and win a medal at the Olympics or I'm going to go you know she yeah. her, her whole thought process was I want to make a team yeah and once she started making the team then the belief started coming in and then yeah. she started doing you know, the, the, like, especially on the, the five and the ten, when the training, when you do things in training, it gives you confidence, eh? uh, you know, it, yeah. you, you know what you do. And then I think as she started to mature in that way, she then started realising, I am good enough. You know, why am I thinking I'm not good enough? Because I am good enough. Yeah. It has taken her a long time to mature into that and develop it. Uh, yeah. It happen overnight. And and now, you know, Ailes believes she is good enough to win a medal at the Olympics and you know whatever championships because she's in that sort of bracket now but it, it's took her a lot of time to gain that confidence and probably working a lot harder than other people to believe that she's at that level but as I say she's always believed in what I say to her because I'm a very honest and upfront person I won't mm. no I, I won't say what she's capable of if she's not capable of doing it and it's all about stages of progression and people mature sort of physiologically as well as mentally at different rates. And sometimes it just takes a wee bit of time for them to gel together. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, 100%. I mean, I almost threw away a world championship because I definitely wasn't mentally there yet. And it, and it yeah. took me a lot of my career. I'd say it's been my biggest demon to overcome. It's so interesting to hear that in running. You know, a lot of people think you just have to turn up and run. If you've got the times, so you just turn up and run, but you still have to perform on the day and overcome your doubts. And it, it, I think that's really interesting to hear it from that perspective. Yeah, as a, and as I say, it's never an easy road to follow, no matter what sport you're in. You know, there's always pressures and nerves. And, you know, it's like what I said way back at the start. You know, you need lady luck on your side and everything. And, yeah. you know, e- even the best people sometimes have that little doubt in their head, you know. But it's how you, you know, handle yourself. And I always say it, there's always a decision that an athlete has to make on the day. And it's either that you either make it or break it and and sometimes you know it, you, you just don't get that result that you, you deserve or works mm. hard for but um I think it's races like Ailish ran that'll now propel her to another level you know because it just yeah. opens the the mind now to it's kind of what is that donkey off my back sort of syndrome yeah <laughs> yeah 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 I've broke through that barrier you know I've won a major medal now I can just focus on winning more and, and a major medal of the best colour. 
you know yes. like it, it's not just it, it, you know it is different I think that to actually outright win you, you feel this new confidence that you can do you can do it oh 100 I mean Alice is always focused on like from last year no year yeah, but two years ago all you've got from Alice is I want to win a medal at Commonwealth Games and it's been really important to her because she's been to quite a few mm. and she's the different distances at all of them and yeah really important for her because you know we're going to be moving on to the roads in the marathon and she'll probably not be running on the track now you know in the next few years for the championship so it was probably you know our last opportunity on the track to actually get a, a medal so it was really a massive goal of hers to get a medal she didn't care what color it was she wanted the medal so I think that's why you saw the emotions that you know that happened because she it was just as they say that icing on the cake she just ran a a magnificent tough race you know what a race it was after half an hour of distance running the commonwealth games 10,000 meters came down to the sprint in the final 150 meters perfectly placed at the shoulder of her rival Ailish pulled clear down the straight to take gold in a new games record, hugging her coach and mum who'd raced down to the front of the stand. It was an incredible moment. The champion in 1986 and 1990 had just seen her daughter win the same title. Of course, they're hugely different eras. And I want to ask Liz a question that I've been meaning to ask my dad for a really long time. Was there ever a moment, as athletes now with UK Sport and Lotteries funding, have you ever had a pang of jealousy over what what we have now, over what you had then, you know, the opportunities and, and the advice we get and the support we get? Do you ever feel, God, I wish I had that? Um, I never I never got any funding or whatever. Um, so, I mean, I got a grant from um, Sports Scotland I think, yeah, I did. But it was nothing like in funding that you get nowadays. But my only um, thing I would say is, uh, not regret or whatever, but especially in endurance running, is the technology of the shoes. They make yeah. a massive difference. You know, when they first came out, I was so anti them because I was like, you know, it's like assisted running. But, you know, yes. you have to accept it now because it's the state of play that we're in. You know, when Nike first came out with that, I was like, oh, my days, like, you know, it's just ruined the sport and da 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 but now that we're where we are and other companies have caught up, so it's a bit of a level playing field. But as, a, as an athlete of that era before, and, you know, re- my records are gone, but, I mean, records are there to be broken anyway. I'm not, I'm not hanging on to them. The only thing that's in my head was, gosh, imagine how fast I would have ran. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, do you know what? That was going to be literally my next question. Yeah. Was gonna say, I was going to say to you, we're all athletes, right? We all love to be on the top and we all love to win. And I don't have a child, so I don't know the relationship, but a little bit of me can't help think. Is there a little bit of jealousy when your record bit gets broken? <laughs> Are you a little bit like, God, I was holding on to that? No, no, not at all. I quite like when my records get broken because it shows that the events moved on and, you know, and records are there to be broken. And um, yeah. when you break your record, it means that you're faster than that person. So, like, you know, Ailes got the Commonwealth Games record. There's been some great African runners that have ran. And now yeah, she's got the yeah. Commonwealth Games record. I mean, you know, she's the fastest in the Commonwealth so far yet, you know, which is great. And that's exciting. And I mean, I loved breaking records. It was such a big motivation for me. But uh, I think that athletes of today, uh, just like athletes of years gone by, 
wouldn't have been great if we had funding and all that. That would have helped us out enormously. But, you yeah. know, you can't be jealous or put out because that wasn't available at our time. So we yeah. ran and we competed to our best, like everybody else did. You know, guys like you today are training hard and competing to your best, just like what we did. It doesn't make it any easier because you still got to do the work. Yeah, but, you know, to get the support just gives you that little. I mean, obviously, I would have to do road races to earn money, you yeah. know. So I would maybe have run certain races that, if I had funding, I wouldn't have done. I maybe would have been a little bit fresher going into championships. But that's in days gone by. I think it's absolutely right that we have support and that we have lottery funding and it's funded in the right way. And now that the shoe situation is getting a little bit of a level playing field with it, you know, other companies have got the carbons and da da da, then yeah, you know, it, it's everybody's running fast now, which is fantastic, you know. You know, just in my own head, I'm thinking, you know, wouldn't it, like, I, I think I would have run really fast in them. Yeah. <laughs> definitely oh, sub God, 30. I wish I'd had them. <laughs> yeah, definitely sub 30, 100%. <laughs> I can't tell if she's joking or not. That's a great debate for around the family dinner table. There's one other big difference between their respective eras, and that's social media. Ailish frequently calls out cyberbullies who criticise her appearance or comment on her weight. What does Liz think about it? Do you find that world hard? You know, like it's yes. difficult. It, it's a horrible space to be yes. in sometimes. It's really hard to not bite back. Um, yeah. I just had, as I, funny, I just had a conversation with my three sons today because they were getting a bit irritated at some comments and I had to actually say to them, remember, not everybody's going to agree and um, whatever, but, you know, you've got to give respect for your sister and don't bite back. <laughs> yeah. my boys can be a bit protective. <laughs> yeah. You know, you get people coming up and saying, like, really stupid things about her being super skinny and whatever. And, you know... At one time I did bite back and I posted pictures of her at like three different stages, you know, as a baby is like, a, I think about 11 or 12 and when she was like just leaving school. And every one of those pictures is the same body type, you know. Yeah. Why blame someone for the way they look? You know, yeah. I, in this day and age, everybody is so superficial. I, I just think, you know, just be happy in your own skin, like, you know. She's yeah. not that way because... She's, you know, they're saying, oh, go and eat a burger. It's like, oh, my days. Like, honestly, Ailish eats me out of house and home. Yet she never <laughs> stops eating. And you're always sitting there like, are you eating again? What is it? But I don't need to explain that. But sometimes when it gets a little bit rude and offensive. It gets too personal. It gets offensive as well. And you sit there and you think, you know nothing mm. about this person. And Ailish has done nothing but try to be a good role model. Because that, that's why Ailish was so unconfident as a youngster like when Ailish used to go to school she used to walk all hunched over because she was yeah. like head and shoulders over her friends and yeah. you're like what I know that feeling and, yeah and now she walks tall and she's proud you know everybody we come in all shapes and sizes and you know you yeah. see that even in sport you know different body types win from other people you don't have to be a particular one type to be a champion but what you do need to be is healthy and yeah is healthy and she promotes health what can you do we live in a day and age where people think that they can just sit and say whatever they want and sometimes it's not right I'm going to ask a a controversial question just because I'm interested to know your thoughts do you think it's worse for her say than uh, you know 
uh, Mo or Chipoga here exactly the similar build? Do you think yeah. she gets it worse? A hundred percent. Yeah, I think that because she's a woman, I think that people think they could probably have a a, a pop or more. Um, yeah, the men they they don't. Like, it's just assumed that, you know, that there's that type of runner and a man and that's, you know, that's what they look like. But for a man to turn around and say to a woman, like, you know, you need a bib job or, yeah. you know, you're this and that. I mean, you know, who are they to say things like that? But I do think that it's harder for women. I mean, that's why it was great. You know, the lioness is like, you know, football, you know, it's very male dominated. And yeah. you know, to have that group of women go out there and show strong women with skills and winning and bringing it home was just amazing. And that's what yeah. we need. And now Ailish, we're Ailish because when people used to say that to her before, she'd be like crying or upset by it. She's like, no, I'm not taking this anymore. And yeah. so, you know, she stands up tall now. And, and that's what I said to her. I says, Ailish, you know, you've got to be proud of who you are and what you are and believe that, you know, if that is the way Ailish is naturally is, that's the way she is. And, and if people don't want to accept that, then that's their problem. It's not ours. I love that from Liz McColgan and from Ailish. What an inspirational chat this has been. I've loved it. But before I let her go, I've got one question for Liz. What is your proudest moment of being Ailish's mum? My, my proudest moment of being Ailish's mum is just the woman that she's grown into. She's an absolutely fantastic person. And it's nothing to do about running. (laughs) It's just who she is and who she's grown into. Yeah, she's just fantastic. She's a a beautiful person inside and out. Oh, that is so lovely. I cannot thank you enough for coming on on the show. It's been amazing to talk to you. Thank you for asking me. Thank you so much. And um, congratulations to both of you. you. It's absolutely phenomenal. Okay, thanks for talking. Take care. Thanks so much to Liz McColgan for coming on this episode of Out of the Shadows. Do leave a review if you're enjoying the series wherever you get your podcasts. We're here in association with Quite Search. This is a 9419 production and I'll speak to you again soon.